0: It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist.
1: Featuring all the latest news and insight on the
0: association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
1: Daily Assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com. Out to the Sprint Special Guest Line, we go lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung tab for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Joining us now, the great Chris Mannix. Hi, Chris. How are you? What's going on, guys? Hey, we're just talking a ton of NBA, as you can imagine. We have a lot to get to you with. But let's start with the Red Hot Jazz, 11 of 12. Granted, against uh, some subpar competition, but uh, just swept a three-game road trip. Jazz fans are pre- uh, feeling pretty good about their team. What do you think, Chris?
0: Well, I mean, when when you see these kind of lighter touches on the schedule, you've got to take advantage of them. Uh, I was watching parts of the game against the Bulls. Uh, this past week and you know you like what you see from guys like donovan mitchell i think you know joe engels as a playmaker when he has that part of his game going is just invaluable to that group and you know rudy gobert keeps changing things in the middle so you know I, I, again we 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 bring up the same things and i think the jazz are only going to go as far as kind of the, the mike conley donovan mitchell combination the backcourt can take them offensively but you like to see Ingles get it going a little bit, and you like to see you know what you're getting out of Mitchell at this point of the season. We
2: were just talking about this, Chris. That uh, throughout the game, you see the Jazz go into this blender that they like to do, where the ball is just moving and all of that. But in critical moments, uh, in the final mo- in the final minutes of games, you'll see uh, Donovan Mitchell or Boyan Bogdanovich sort of take over. And 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 do things and read things themselves, and that seems like that's a real handy thing for them to be able to do to avoid turnovers and have the ball in your most uh, in your most effective players' hands. Jazz are doing this, and it it's working out well for them.
0: Yeah, in the playoffs, you have to have that. I mean, you know, as, as we all know, as we watch in all these playoff games, it slows down and becomes more isolation-heavy, more two-man game kind of heavy, and. You know each possession becomes more valuable, and you know I watched you know Bogdanovic do it last year uh, to a degree with Indiana. You know where he's able to kind of take over games, not in the same way that Mitchell does, but you know he's a really talented offensive player. So having him complementing Mitchell is going to be huge, and you know another year of Mitchell getting playoff experience and 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 just seeing the kind of defense that they that they're going to present him, I think is going to be huge for. For him, so yeah, I mean, like having those two guys be able to kind of create their own offense and attack the basket without you know much help is is big. But I, I do think you know, uh, you know, I go back to Ingles. I just every when I see him on the floor up there, a lot of times, you know, that ball just moves a lot better, and his ability to kind of create from that position is uh, is really important for the Jazz in the half court.
2: What does it say about the West that the Jazz could win 11 of 12 and still be fifth?
0: It, it's a weird. Conference right now because yeah the Jazz are kind of in that mix where you know you got Houston and a few other teams that are battling for those three four five slots at the same time like everybody but Golden State is in contention for the eighth slot you know out there so you've you've got some some interesting dogfights going on I mean it, it's a it's a very competitive upper half of the conference I mean the Lakers cooled off a little bit but they're still sitting pretty at about four games up on everybody else. We know the Clippers have cooled off a little bit, but they're still the Clippers, and, and they're only going to get better, I think, as season goes on. I mean, you've, you've, you've got to keep this stuff going during these you know these dog days of January and February to try to keep up um, in that mix, try to get that home court advantage in the first round.
1: Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated, 97.5 and twelve eighty, of the zone. Chris, the Jazz are number one in the league in three-point percentage. Does that surprise you, and do you think that's sustainable?
0: A little bit. I mean, I, some of these percentages just shock me. I mean, Philadelphia is a lot higher than people think in three-point percentage, but they're, you know, widely regarded as a bad three-point shooting team. I think what, what you've got to be, I mean, the ultimate uh, you know, pair of stats is for that shooting is high in three-point percentage and high in three-point attempts. If you're high in both those categories, you've got yourself a pretty good team. I don't know exactly where the Jazz are. In attempts, but if you're up there in in and you're just jacking three-point shots, uh, and you're making them at a high percentage, you're going to beat a lot of teams uh, in this league. So it's a it's certainly a positive that they're they're making a lot of those threes. But in today's league, you got to be shooting like 35, 43s a night, making them at a good percentage in order to, in order to win.
2: Chris, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit here, but I only do it because I know you're 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 qualified to answer just about any question we come up with. You mentioned Mike Conley. What is it about his game that w- would potentially make him so effective for the Jazz down the home stretch and into the postseason?
0: Well, I mean the bread and butter play in today's NBA is the pick and roll. And Mike Conley ran a lot of that when he was in Memphis with Zach Randolph and Mark Casall and he ran a lot of it with guys that did different things. Zach Randolph was kind of a dive guy who rolled to the basket, whereas Mark Gasol oftentimes would pop out and, you know, make perimeter jumpers. So he's just he's very proficient at that particular play. And if you look at Utah, you can run it with a bunch of different guys. I mean they don't use a traditional four-man, so you can have an Ingles out there, kind of popping out from beyond three-point line on a screen. Uh, you could run a small pick-and-roll with Mitchell, and certainly with Gobert, you could get him a lot of easy opportunities at the bucket with with uh, the pick-and-roll there. So I think having him, and you brought up earlier that kind of you know isolation offense that you need, that, that you need to run in the playoffs. You know Conley can run a lot of that pick-and-roll at a high level in the postseason that you're really going to need to be successful. So. And again, the, the the Memphis Grizzlies, you know, they, they played it at a methodical pace, you know, throughout Mike Conley's years in Memphis. So that's going to be really useful uh, when you can't run as much in the postseason.
1: Chris, you brought up the Sixers a little bit earlier, and I know they got a win uh, last night over the Thunder, which is a nice one, 120-113. Uh, to 113. But before that, they had lost four consecutive games, and I saw some comments last week where Joel Embiid called out Ben Simmons a little bit in a roundabout way for not being willing uh, to shoot from distance. Is there, is there some fire to that smoke going on in Philly?
0: Well, I mean, everybody in Philly is trying to get Ben Simmons to shoot threes. I mean, even if he's missing them. I honestly don't care that if Philly, you know, if he shot five threes a game for a 10-game stretch and missed all of them, I don't think the 76ers coaching staff and front office would care all that much because they've got to get him comfortable with shooting three-point shots. And right now, he's just not comfortable taking those shots. And they know it. They know that if he doesn't take them in the regular season, he sure as heck is not going to take them in the playoffs. So, that's something they're really getting frustrated with in Philadelphia. That Simmons refused to pull the trigger anytime he's got the ball from beyond the three-point line, and you know his teammates know it. Joel Embiid knows it. Uh, Brett Brown, is a coach, he knows it, and and that's that's problematic there. Now, now Philly can always hang its hat in the fact that you know when they're engaged defensively, they're great. Like they they can they can shut down any team in the league if they're clicking on that end of the floor, but. You can't rely on an offense that might only put up 90, 95 points every single night. You've got to find a way to get some some rhythm offensively, especially, you know, we keep going back to the same subject, especially when the game slows down, they get to the half court. I mean, Simmons can't be a non-factor in those types of situations. And right now, that's kind of what he is. Chris,
2: everybody likes comeback stories, guys who can redirect their careers. Markel Fultz with 25 points for the Magic. uh Uh, What's going on with this guy? Do you think he can finally become what people thought he might be when he was uh, the number one pick?
0: I was at that game last night, and I'm still in Orlando writing a little bit about Fultz for later this week. He's, I mean, it was his most impressive game of the season, the most impressive game of his career. Um, You know, look, I I don't know if – I don't know, in an ideal world, would Markel Fultz have been a franchise point guard, you know, the next coming of Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook, even without the problems in Philly? I don't know. But I certainly think he has the ability to live up to whatever potential he had. And you talk to people in Orlando, whether it's his teammates or the coaching staff, and, you know, they see signs of a great player. And the one thing I keep hearing over and over again is that if you think this is good now, wait until he really gets comfortable beyond the three-point line. And everything I said about Ben Simmons, the opposite is true for false. He's not shooting great from, from three. I mean, his first possession in the game last night, he airballed a three-pointer, but he came right back and shot a three and made it a couple of possessions later. He's a willing three-point shooter, and they really believe in Orlando that once he starts becoming a real threat from beyond the three-point line, which they think is only a matter of time, he's going to be he's so good off the dribble and he's so physical you know getting to the paint i saw him just run over garrett temple a couple of times and take the ball right at the bigs of brooklyn uh last night you know once he's you've got a pressure on the outside he's going to be really tough to stop so yeah i mean look they gave up virtually nothing to get markel fultz and that turned out to be one of the brilliant trades you know for the orlando magic and and their ability to build a contender
1: Chris, your thoughts on the news today about Anthony Davis and the Lakers not reaching an extension deal?
0: It's more semantics than anything else. I mean, by not signing the extension, Davis is eligible for the five-year Supermax or Max or whatever it is, the $200 million deal in the offseason. So it would have made no sense for him to sign for four years and 146. We can get that fifth year uh, in the offseason. I mean, I guess theoretically it's something of a gamble if he – you know if his body falls apart in the next 4 months or 5 months then you know he might wish he signed that deal but this was always expected and nobody in the NBA thinks Davis is going anywhere he you know he passively aggressively fought to get to LA a year ago and now he's there they're on a, they're a great team he's got great chemistry with LeBron LeBron's playing at a high level uh, i think Anthony Davis is going to be a laker for years to come
2: Chris, the Bucks got off to that great start in 32-6 and six right now. The Lakers, you mentioned, you talked about a little bit. Is there a team beneath those two that you think is stirring now, that you think could be a, a real threat come playoff time?
0: Well, I don't know if it, it's stirring. If The Clippers clearly got stirring right now. But, I mean, Kawhi Leonard, you know, in his first year with Toronto, won a championship. Man, you can argue he's got as good or better team as, in LA, you know, to to win a championship with Paul George and Patrick Beverly and the group they have with the Clippers, so I'm still a believer in the Clippers as being uh, a co-favorite in the Western Conference. Uh, in the East, I, I think those teams are are a trade away of being able to compete with Milwaukee. I think the Sixers need shooters. I think the Raptors need something. Uh, maybe it's a, a a Kevin Love type or or somebody to score from the outside. In Boston. I don't think Boston can win a series against Milwaukee without having another big to battle with Brooke Lopez and Robin Lopez and to fight Giannis on the inside. So I think we, the, the Bucks probably have the clearest path to the finals because everybody around them, I think, needs to upgrade. But if one of those teams upgrades, and I do think we're going to have a very busy NBA trade deadline, if one of those teams upgrades, uh, I, I think the, you know we could see some real, uh, a real fight for the uh, Eastern Conference title.
1: Chris Luka Doncic had another thirty-point triple-double last night, and Dallas has been, uh, no doubt about it, the surprise of the Western Conference. Uh, they're sitting in the sixth spot right now at twenty-three and thirteen. How sustainable is it uh, what they're doing?
0: Oh, it's it, it's sustainable. I mean, you know, like they, their supporting cast has been a surprise that they've been that effective. But you know, Doncic isn't a surprise. Porzingis isn't a surprise. Rick Carlisle didn't become a great coach overnight. I mean, every all the pieces they have are in place and, and you get to the playoffs and you can play Porzingis and Donchick together on on pick and roll I mean that's they're going to be a tough out for anybody I mean that's that's a team that that is 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 going to be a threat I mean I I don't look you, you don't win at the highest level kind of in your first year together and that's what the Mavericks are I mean Doncic is 20 Porzingis is 23 I mean they've got to experience some growing pains in the playoffs but it's not a team I'd want to face in the first round if I'm one of those teams that's in and around them in the playoff mix. So uh, I, I think it's, it's real. And, you know, it's funny, it's, it's, it's off topic a little bit, but I'm still just shocked that Sacramento passed on Luka Doncic. I, I think every time I watch the Kings, I think they're run by one of the great international players of all time in Vlade Divac. They're like, second in command is Peja Stoyakovic. They've got a terrific international scout. They played over there. How do the Sacramento Kings pass on Luka Doncic? That, that to me, I, you know, maybe it's because of Sacramento and nobody cares. But like that, that to me is one of the more crazy things. Like the, the Atlanta Hawks get beat up for trading, you know, Trey Young for Doncic. At least Trey Young is probably going to be a, a multi-time All Star and a great player at his respective position. That Sacramento passed on Doncic to me is, is continues to be one of the more inexplicable draft decisions in the last few years.
2: And it's going to do nothing but get worse as the years go by, I have a feeling.
0: Yeah, I mean, they draft Marvin Bagley. And Bagley's fine, but he's nowhere near Donchik's level. I mean, it's just, I mean, it just. I mean, maybe you're stereotyping like Vladi is the international guy, but the guy played overseas, he knows what he's looking at when a guy's dominating for in EuroLeague games. Like, he knows what he's seeing. Same thing with Peja. Like, how do they, they whiff on this particular guy? It's beyond me.
2: Last thing for me, Chris, if we were going to look at the top teams in each conference, uh, the Bucks, Celtics, Heat, Raptors, Sixers, as it stands now, and then the Lakers, Nuggets, Rockets, Clippers, Jazz, which of those teams do you think from the bench, and I don't mean the bench players, I mean from the coach, would you pick as having the greatest advantage? Which one of those coaches would you select if you had to have a game
0: one Oh, I mean, that's a good question. Um, you've got some experienced hands that in that group, uh, no doubt. Guys that have won in the playoffs. But I tell you, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm too close to it, but I, I'm buying Brad Stevens as, as as a coach. I still am. I mean, he had a rough year last year, and a lot of it was a lack of a connection with Kyrie Irving and a lack of an ability to find chemistry with guys, but from an X and O's perspective, I mean, look, Boston has a top five defense right now. I don't know how that's humanly possible. Like the fact they have a top five defense is remarkable. They lost Al Horford and Aaron Baines 2 high level defensive big men and replaced them with Ennis Cantor, a rookie in Grant Williams and a, and a collection of other guys like Daniel Tice in that mix. And they still have a top five defense. I mean, Brad Stevens is a wizard. Uh, on the on the bench so i'm still buying him as the guy i'd want there on the sideline even though he doesn't have you know championship experience
1: chris as always thank you for jumping on with us we really appreciate it you got it guys thanks chris chris Manix, sports illustrated joins us each and every week here on the big show brad stevens huh? hey you've got a top five defense and ennis canter is playing a role <laughs> then you must be a magician
2: <laughs> okay you must be you must All be right. doing doing something well, the reason I asked it that way is because if you include everybody in the league, I mean, doesn't don't most people think Popovich? Yeah. Would that be the easy one to go with? Unless you're of the opinion that the game has passed him by. Uh, I think his team just isn't as good. <laughs> it helps when your team's better. Yeah. yeah, yeah that uh, that that helps you look good. Yeah. But you know, there'll be situations where the head coach is a difference maker. You know, and, uh, and and I'm not just talking about building through the regular season. I'm talking about decisions made as uh, a playoff series unfolds. Well, let me say this: I think the I think the coaching level in the NBA right now is
1: extraordinarily high. Well, I do too. You you heard what uh, what Chris said about about Dallas, and he's 100 percent right. I mean, Rick Carlisle uh, Rick Carlisle is thing or two. one heck mm-hmm. of a basketball coach. Yep. One of the best in the NBA, and just because he remained in his job during a rebuild which doesn't happen all that often, uh, does not mean he forgot how to coach by any means. Mm-hmm. And, and he's reminding everybody of that now, to your point, that he has some players uh, to pull the strings with. So, I, I mean, there, there's just a bunch of great coaches out
2: there. I mean, yeah, I know Portland's struggling, but Terry Stott's a great coach. Yeah, yeah, there's a bunch of them. You know, that whole thing about Doncic, that's going to haunt the Kings. For a long, long time. It It really is. It should
1: haunt the Suns, it should haunt the Kings, and it should haunt the Hawks. It should haunt
2: all three. And he was one of those players that as the draft was approaching, there was all kinds of buzz about him. And yet, even though it was well known what he was capable of doing, these teams... Decided to look a different way. Don't it's you... an inexact science, but I'm telling you, it becomes a whole lot more exact as time goes by. All right.
1: I Chris is totally right about the Kings and passing up on them or whatever, but I almost blame the Suns more. They hired his EuroLeague coach. <laughs> they hired his
2: coach.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if anybody should have known, it was the Kings, right? And then their buffoon owner steps in and goes, nope. <laughs> We're taking the local guy.
2: <laughs> yeah. I tell you he sure is fun to watch and he's good. He is the real deal. Hmm. And uh I would expect him to play at a uh, premium level for quite some time. Yeah, I would I would
1: think so as well. I mean, he just and uh, what I'm trying to decide is how selfish of a player he is. Because he plays very similarly to James Harden, but I've heard a couple of pundits say that he plays differently in a sense that he's not quite as ball dominant, yeah. but I don't know if I'm buying that yet. I Because poor Zingas got better when he was down for a little while. Uh, I, okay, let's wait and see on that. I Yeah, I'm, I'm not drawing any conclusions, but that's the one thing, because I... I, I not wild about James Harden's game, watching it. That is, I mean, yeah. hey, it's very effective.
2: Don't get me wrong. But don't you think? But it's Donchich not my favorite. Is...
1: And I'm kind of just trying to decide if Doncic is in that
2: similar. But he's fashion. more fun to watch than Harden, don't you think? <laughs>
1: There's a lot of
2: similarities. There's mm. a lot of similarities. All right. What? No, I, I'm I'm considering what you just said. Well, uh, keep an eye on that as time goes by. Right. So, well, that's something we'll see. But the Dallas, I,
1: th- I agree with Chris. I think they have staying power. I don't think they're going anywhere. But the difference between the top six in the West and the rest of the West is pretty vast.
2: The Jazz have an opportunity now that they've passed Dallas and they have the schedule that they have to win a few more games. But I'm telling you, I was looking at the schedule at the end of January into February, and it gets tough.
1: Yeah, they're going to have to win some games. They're going to – some really difficult games. And that's why this stretch was so important. You got to – Make hay now, man. Well, and hone what you've got going on so you're prepared when the schedule stiffens
2: up And that's what really caught my eye about what I've seen. That's why I wrote about the fact that the Jazz are doing what they're doing. They're capable of doing that iso ball thing because I did that with an eye toward the playoffs. And the fact that the Jazz can do that on possessions when they need to, even though Quinn Snyder says he doesn't want the he doesn't want the offense to run that way, throughout the game, but there are portions of the game, especially toward the end of them, when that is invaluable. Yeah. And so we'll see what the Jazz if they can continue to beat up some of these lesser teams, and and then you know they have they have some tough games coming up. Like I said. And we'll see how it holds up by then. But they seem to be getting into a groove. They're still not blowing teams away. Right. And It's not I,
1: perfect. It's not well, perfect, I was thinking Brian. about
2: that when I saw that Bowler and those guys, they had uh, the Jazz listed at the top of clutch wins. And I'm not exactly sure what a clutch win is, other than it must be a close win isn't at it, the end of games.
1: Yeah, isn't it within five points? Something like that. And under two minutes, I think, yeah. So...
2: Does that—is that a compliment to the Jazz, or does it mean that they're not capable of building big leads? Oh, I think it's very useful.
1: I don't know about a compliment. I I, I don't know about that, but they're going to have to win close games eventually and might as well sharpen the sword, so to speak. So get used to it. Yeah. I I mean, I know football and basketball are totally different, and and this is a loose comparison at best, but I'm—you know, I thought— Utah may have, by waxing all those teams, all those games in a row where it really wasn't competitive, might have lost a little bit of an edge. That's an interesting point. Not not that you would go out there and like purposely struggle, you know, like, hey, let's keep this UCLA game close. but I mean they were just demolishing those teams that maybe they lost a little bit of that of that edge when it got tight. You've got to go out there and execute your stuff. Mm. And so I don't think having experience in the clutch minutes is is a bad thing. Plus, Donovan has been terrific in the clutch minutes. Terrific. Most of them. So the more experience that he can get with that, I think the better. Again, not saying, hey, guys, go out there and play some close games, but – you know, yeah, keep it close
2: to to have some experience in <laughs> that. Hear is, Quinn Snyder saying that is not the worst thing, fellas. Ever. No, 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 no. I don't want to see a forty-point win over like we did against Golden State uh, a couple years ago. When was that? When did they beat? Remember that year they beat Golden State? They were just crushing them. Yeah, was it three was years, it two years
1: ago? ago? Two years ago, maybe.
2: Yeah, yeah. All
1: right, but. uh <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to arrest you guys in the fourth quarter. Why would I want to do that? Keep it close. Keep it close, all right? More straight ahead. It's the big show 97.5 and 1280 of the zone.